You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. This is the Breaking Free Podcast, where we're raising up and encouraging 1,000 mentors to help people experience radical life transformation. Mentors to help people break free from addiction, the bondage of religion, the despair and isolation of homelessness, and the self-imprisonment of negative thinking and self-limiting thoughts. I think we got just about everybody in there. So let's get real. Let's start today's conversation. Jeremy, how are you today? I am good. Yourself? Awesome. I am uh, on top of the world. I am excited. I am raring to go. Fantastic. We, uh, we've been on sabbatical. We've been uh, rethinking, retooling uh, this podcast. And uh, so this is our first episode as we have... Uh, kicked off a new beginning for ourselves yeah and if you're listening to this and you've been a regular listener and you may not realize that this is also a video podcast now and you can consume that at uh, on spotify that's the only place you can see the video at this point okay so i'm glad you told me that because i didn't even know that yeah i know <laughs> i mean i see my face in the screen but right <laughs> you just I- thought that was for our benefit <laughs> so oh, we could see oh man yeah so uh for a moment let's let's go back to the beginning uh, we started this podcast uh, not too long after the publish of our book, uh, Breaking Free from Addiction, The Journey Back to Father's Design. I don't know if you can see this uh, a little bit there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which you can get on Amazon, by the way. Um, we, uh, we had intended to talk to people in addiction and be able to have a conversation with them and uh, sort of bring the book alive and go beyond the, the borders of the book, so to speak. Uh, we discovered that, that two things were happening in that process. Uh, one, I kept drifting over to talking to mentors right. <laughs> instead of people that were in addiction, uh, which is probably a clue of where I'm really at. And uh, the second thing is, is that... Uh, uh, people in addiction, particularly people who are homeless in addiction, which is uh, over the last 12 or so years where the bulk of my wife and I's time has been spent, uh, those people aren't consuming podcast material. Sure. And uh, so you sort of sit down one day, uh, you, and I, you and I have had a lot of conversations, particularly that, uh, you know, if you're going to spend time uh, doing something, you want to feel that it has the potential to have some harvest to it. And uh, so we, we stopped a while back and, and sort of rethought and rethink. And uh, so here we are, we're going to put our focus on speaking to mentors. And uh, that's particularly a, a, um, a hard issue for me, because as you know, others listening may not know wasn't too long ago. I had uh, 20 people in my one bedroom house, uh, all off the street, uh, out of homelessness or addiction or both. And, uh, having breakfast at the table with them, uh, helping guide them from where we had gotten them to, uh, being able to be on their own, be restored back to society, uh, normal type living arrangements. And um, you, you come face to face with this harsh reality 
that one, 20 is too many for me to take care of at one time. Mm -hmm. And two, I'm limited to the people that I have in front of me. And three, that there's not very many people like me that would take 20 people to their breakfast table to start with. Right. And, uh, I wouldn't, (laughs) you wouldn't No, not 20. Uh, I barely like it when my kid come back home. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I mean, it's all right, Uh, but I'm kind of set in my way. Well, I I will admit I have no one at my breakfast table right now. (laughs) And, uh, for, for the moment I'm enjoying that. Um, after a while you do got to have some peace and quiet again. Uh, but what, what I, what I, what I really began to have pull up my heartstring is, is that there aren't enough of me and that's not to, to sound, uh, cocky or conceited or that the world needs more of me. Uh, but the world needs more people who can look beyond themselves and say, I, I want to help change the world around me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it goes without saying that you look at the world, uh, particularly the world that, that's painted in the media every day, and know that that's probably not the world we would design if we were designing. It's not the world we particularly want to live in. Um, and part of my disappointment is that for the most part, people just sit around and complain about the world around them and the world changes because there's people who care and who are motivated to get involved and express that care. Mm -hmm. And that's really at the heart of my heart. I, I care about people. I want to heal people. I want to restore people. Um, it was your birthday yesterday I'll let you tell them your age if you want to, but I will be 63. 20, 22. 22. <laughs> Man, you look rough for 22, my friend. It's, you know, <laughs> it's the, uh, what do they say? It's not the, I don't know. Anyway. Mm. It's not the mileage. It's it's, the, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the chronological, <laughs> chronological years. It's, it's the, the mileage, mileage. And yeah. I'm high mileage is what I tell people. Um, but... Uh, where was I? I lost my train of thought <laughs> with that saying, one. Where you said it was my birthday yesterday. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I will be 63 later this month. Um, about 21 years. I won't give your age away, but about 21 years more than you. And, uh, uh, you know, as, as you get older, uh, you, you really come to grips with this understanding that um, while my, my personal theology may be that I think we were designed to live forever. Um, and I think we should live forever. We don't. And uh, if if we ever figure out how to live forever, if, if that is in God's plan or not, I don't know. But if it is, it's probably not my generation that's going to figure that out. So uh, at, at some point you start figuring out, you know, I, I, I don't have forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, whatever I have time I have left, I, I need to figure out how to maximize to complete the call that God has in my life. And if the primary call of God in my life is to heal and restore people, 
and I'm limited to the number of people I can individually touch by relationship, face-to-face, eye-to-eye to heal and restore, uh, the next best thing I can do to maximize or to redeem my time is, is to help other people be raised up and encouraged in them being involved in other people's lives to heal people and to restore people. And so uh, I've sort of had an epiphany in my own life over the last few months of uh, seeing how all the things of ministry that were involved in uh, all sort of have a bit of a shift to come together uh, with a greater focus, a greater understanding of purpose, uh, maybe backing away from some things in the depth that we were doing them, um, with making the, the mentoring and raising up of mentors the, the flagship mm. of all the things we do in ministry. Does that make sense? Yeah. And uh, so here we are. Here we are. Um in the book that I was telling you about, we have a chapter on the importance of, of finding a mentor. And you've heard me say uh, so many times what a mentor does is he speaks less about your past and more about your future. Right. I like that. And um, our, our difficulty is, is that we, we live in a society that is full of finger pointers. Hmm. And this isn't even in my notes today, so I'm already off track. But we live in a society of finger pointers, and so we want to point our finger and, and, you know, you're this and you shouldn't be this. And that is really an act of condemnation. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't change the world through condemnation. Hmm. All right. <laughs> Okay. We might feel justified in those actions. Uh, We might even emotionally feel better that we gave our two cents or gave someone a piece of our mind. The problem is if you give away enough pieces of your mind, you don't have a lot of mind left. So Mm -hmm. um, anyway, um, our experience of working with homeless people and, and people in addiction is that uh, those people end up in those places. And one of the primary reasons they end up in those places is, is that they run out of a support network mm-hmm. or they didn't have a qualified support network to start with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the thing that keeps coming to my brain, I'm just going to interrupt you. Go ahead. Um, anytime <laughs> is, you know, thinking about the 20 people around your table and what you just now said about running out of a support network. I think both of those things speak to this idea of boundaries and that as a mentor, let's say, you know, for you personally, you want to make impact in people's lives. So you give all of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So they come to, they live in your house, they uh, eat your food, they, they, you know, enjoy the comforts of your home. And so you've given that completely up, which is essentially virtually no boundaries in practical yeah. terms. And so when you start, so you take that and then we fast forward to this other part where we talked about running out of a support network. When you don't have boundaries, then what happens is you're going to eventually be fatigued because what's happening now is nobody is there, right? Yeah. So not saying this is cause and effect. It's just kind of example. So 
one of the reasons I think people run out of that support network is that the the mentors or the would-be mentors don't set up at a reasonable boundary that fits them, not fits what they want to do. See, this is the thing we think in our mind, okay, well, for homeless people, they need X, Y, and Z. You know what? I don't know what homeless people need. I know what I can do. So I'm going to set up a boundaries based on what I can do and then not limit it to anybody if it's enough for the person that God has for me in this context, a homeless individual, then great. It's enough. If it's not enough, it's not on me to make it enough. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's one of the reasons that people run out of, of time. I, I, uh, I've had times in my life where I'm, uh, speaking life into addiction, mostly people who have been, uh, in addiction and they have moments. You know, I remember one guy I was working with, I love him to pieces. He got kicked out of a program and he called me. Now, I don't know what his expectation was, but I know at that point he was homeless and nowhere to go. Now, my instincts, my first thing was, uh, I should find him over to my house. I'm like, that's not fair. I mean, I had a kid at home, small kid still, and then I've got my wife, and I'm just going to invite him over to our house. They've never even met the guy. Now, that's not a good boundary, right? Even though that's my want, I'm compassionate. And so I said, I met him somewhere to talk about stuff. And I said, you know, let me know if there's something that I can do to help you. I'll do what I can. Well, what I can does not include staying at my house. Um, and so, you know, I think in that, that's what enabled me to continue to minister to him to where today he has a job working for the same organization that kicked him out. Um, and he's sober and has been for a long time. So he's, he's a great success story. I may have short-circuited that by letting him come over. My boundaries, or lack thereof, may have short-circuited his growth. I can never really know. You know, yeah. it's like second-guessing, you know, things in our lives that help shape us. What what I'm what I'm hearing you say is you had wisdom in that moment man, man, to, to know that. <laughs> what you could do and what you couldn't do yeah. that uh, didn't necessarily make sense that need to make sense you weren't looking for it to make sense it was just a it was a wisdom choice you made mm -hmm. uh that proved its wisdom in the end uh the other side of that coin is is capacity sure um uh, my wife and i don't have kids at home you mentioned in your story you had a child at home so uh you you didn't have capacity to open your home to certain situations uh, certain potentials because you had a child, you had to create boundaries that, that had safety. My wife and I don't have children at home. Our children are grown. We have grandchildren. Um, so we had capacity to do things that didn't make what we did right and you wrong. And it didn't make what you did right and us wrong. Right. Our capacity was different because we were in a different season. Right. Um, and capacity doesn't speak to God's plan. Yeah. In other words, it still may have been God's plan for me to open up my house to him. And that's what I'm asking first anyway, right? I'm seeking yeah. the Lord on that and, and vice versa. What happened is what happened for both of us. But, but I think it's, it's understanding, you know, the first thing you have to do when, when you're setting boundaries, it's not a personal choice. It's a personal approach to asking God what he wants you to yeah. do, right? It, Cause my, I can set up boundaries to keep me quote unquote safe, uh, emotionally with people. 
it's not God's plan. He wants me to be vulnerable yeah. or not safe. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it really is about consulting the creator of the universe and saying, hey, what do you want me to do? And that's really, to more to the point, getting God's wisdom on it. Well, to, to bring that point really full circle, this is a beautiful, beautiful conversation. I mentioned our home is empty. So we have capacity right now. And from, from just the meaning of the word, we have unused or unfulfilled capacity, but it's not God's plan or purpose for us to use that capacity right now. Right. Uh, one of the things that you have personally helped me with uh, is the concept of rest. And so uh, I am doing a lot of nothing for the first time in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I'm going to tell you that uh, as, as a professing uh, past workaholic, <laughs> uh, I spent an hour and a half, two hours this morning wasting time on my phone like I complain about other people doing. Yeah. And I, I, did, I did much of nothing. I, I woke up, uh, went to the restroom, got a drink, took my morning medicine, went back, laid down in the bed. But I'm in a season right now of letting my body restore itself. I'm in a season of letting my mind rest from the stress of managing 20 various different states of emergencies going off at different points of the day, Mm -hmm. each day while I manage my wife and I's own affairs. And so... My, my mind is recovering. My, my stress level is going down. Uh, my blood pressure is going down. Uh, so I have, quote, unused capacity. But right now, that's my purpose is to have unused capacity. Yeah, that's a hard thing for people to get, especially guys wired like us. I, I remember, and I still, this is not like fixed in me yet, <laughs> but feeling guilty if I have unused capacity, yeah, right? I mean, no matter how we look at that, if it's if it's just resource that I have and somebody's asking for it and I can just tell them answers, I mean, I feel guilty if I don't do that, even though I may not be supposed to, do, to be doing that, you yeah. know? And I think that, um, you know, that's the struggle. And, and I would suspect, Wayne, that a large portion of the population that God has equipped to equip others share in that challenge Yeah, that I have X, Y, and Z to offer and I should never withhold it. Well, you should never withhold it outside of God's instruction, right? If yeah. God is giving you instruction to do something and you're not doing, that's another thing altogether. But, you know, as I often talk about this analogy of tools, if we're built, if, if God's the builder and we're the tools in his hand and this taken from the scripture of that, He's the potter and I am the clay, right? He's mm-hmm. shaping me and molding me. Well, in a similar way, if if I'm a power drill and and he uses me to do whatever he's doing on the planet, and there's lots of drills to choose from, if I'm going off on my own, he'll just pick a different drill because nobody wants to work with a power tool that's doing its own thing. Yeah. It's not safe, yeah. right? And, and that very much is the same case when we're just taking... Now, I'm designed to be a drill, so I'm going to drill well, no matter what I do. But it doesn't mean that I should just put holes in everything because I can drill well. Unnecessary holes can create weakness. Absolutely. That will mm. sink the boat. 
And so, you know, it's, it's understanding what we're designed to do. Part one, part two, letting God direct us in our design. Yes. And that in, that is one of the hardest things to learn because our default is if we're good at this, or if this is what we're designed to do, we should always be doing it constantly, always do it. And, that does make sense until you start seeing it in a bigger picture. I have all sorts of things in this studio right now that are not doing what they're designed to do. They are what at rest. And to the deeper point of that, they're at rest. The majority of the time, the vast majority of the time, the video switcher we're using to do this right now is working. It's doing its job and it's going to do its job, you know, roughly an hour. And, then it will be at rest for 23 more hours <laughs> until it does its job again tomorrow, uh, whatever, you know, things are slated. And then when we hit Thursday and Friday, it may be at rest for three or four days. So, so it has a hour long season of harvest. That's right. And, and the thing is, Obviously, an inanimate object with no uh, self-awareness doesn't concern itself with it. But as we are who we are, we can easily be consumed with, I could be doing more work. Yeah. And and again, capacity. It can run, this video switcher can run kind of indefinitely. It's designed to run for hours on end. But it doesn't always have to do that. Yeah. And it may have a season in its existence where it does run for a lot longer. But again, the majority of its time will still be spent at rest. Well, I, I think you you really introduce us to again something not in our notes, but is is so apt to, to talk about right now is is typically now if you bring twenty people into your house, you you're pretty much on duty twenty four hours a day. Even when you're sleeping. If you had two people you're in your on house, call. You're kind of the same. Okay. Yeah, sure. Um but when we're talking about raising up mentors to help lead and guide people into radical life transformation, we're not talking about something that you're going to do 24 hours a day. We're not talking about something typically that you're going to do three and four hours a day. Uh, we're talking about uh, maybe some phone calls. We're talking about having a, a, a sit down even if it's a even if it's a homeless person that that you met at the convenience store while you're getting gas, mm-hmm. uh, and you make arrangements, hey, uh, next Monday I'll I'll meet you at the Burger King across the street at noon, and I'll buy you a burger and we'll and we'll chat. Right. So you you make an appointment with that person and they show up maybe because they want to chat maybe because they want the burger hopefully both yeah and uh, you know you go back to work after your lunch break is over and you go home take care of your kids go to the ball game go grocery shopping whatever you got to do it, it was not a there there was an hour of your day that that you took lunch and visited with someone uh, spoke in their life listened to them fed back what you heard to them, um, gave them some spirit anointed guidance, uh, asked them some questions so that they could discover themselves. Um, and then you went back, back to your day Mm -hmm. that, that was the season that you sowed into them. Um, you don't carry that 24 hours a day. You don't carry that seven days a week. So, Um, I'm glad you brought that up because that helps us explain that what we're asking is not for people to 
fact, I wouldn't even recommend you invite 20 people into your home. <laughs> right. Uh, that's only something you do if, if that's a, if, if that's a God thing mm-hmm. and, and you know, without a doubt, that's what God's called you to do in that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's not norm. Yeah. Uh, but, but what a mentor does is, is walk close enough to observe someone's life far enough away to let them live their life and then intersect with them at certain divine appointment times mm-hmm. uh, where, where you have conversation, where you are vulnerable to each other, so to speak, uh, where, you, where you seek to understand somebody. And, uh, you know, for all, for all the people who might be listening to us later on who have... Uh, for lack of a better word, traditional church backgrounds. Uh, being being a mentor is is not shaking your finger in someone's face and saying, well, such and such verse says you should or you shouldn't. Um, being, being a mentor is, is far more involved in helping someone discover God as their heavenly father and, and learn how to listen to, to his voice uh, the wag your finger moment i want to add a little thing what what person can you imagine would like if i said to you wayne what is god convicting you of what person whether you tell me or not is in their mind gonna say nothing man i'm great i, I don't need to be the convictor yeah I can simply say, so what's God dealing with you about? What's he convicting you of that, that maybe you, you know, you're dealing with? If you want to share it with me, if not, that's fine. And then you, you give them the opportunity to hear him. Well, uh, you, you bring up a beautiful point is that our Christianese mm. is a foreign language to the people we are usually needing to help. Right. So the normal person wouldn't even use the word convict. Well, that's true, right? But you, you, you use the other word, what is God dealing with you yeah. about? Um, and, and that's, we, we got to get rid of our Christianese. We got, we got to figure out how to talk in, in everyday language. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yes, teaching, teaching people that God speaks, that they have ears to hear, um, is a concept that has nothing to do with traditional church. No. In fact, traditional church does, my opinion, a very poor job of helping you understand that God actually speaks to you and you can hear his voice because traditional church is more about God says and we tell you what God right. says. This is what God told me and I'm telling you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the people who have the greatest stability in their lives are, are the ones who have discovered the voice of God, the real voice of God for themselves. Mm-hmm. And people who are needing radical life transformation, uh, a phrase you will often hear them say is, I hear voices. And I always say, you do. You hear the voice of God, you hear the voice of your spouse or your significant other, you, you hear the voice of your children, you hear the voice of your, of your peer group, 
uh, you hear your own voice as you argue with yourself mm-hmm. of what you should do, what you should say, what you shouldn't have said, what you wish you wouldn't have done. And, and we have a whole lot more argument with ourselves about our actions and attitudes and than normal people want to admit to, but we all have that. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, we hear voices. Um, the, the, the problem is you have to learn to differentiate those voices to know which voices you listen to. And oftentimes what happens is the loudest voice and the reason we talk louder when we get in arguments is we want to make sure there's a voice that gets heard. But when you shake your finger in someone's face and you tell them what they shouldn't do or what they shouldn't be or how they shouldn't think, what you really do is you cement into them that hair raising up on the back of their neck, that indignation that says, by golly, I'm going to show you. Mm -hmm. And they end up embracing something that's the opposite of what you want them to do. Absolutely. Because you have put them on the defensive. And when you're on defensive, what do you do? You defend yourself by digging your heels in. Mm -hmm. And so... I mean, if you know somebody who is incredibly locked in, just think in terms of addiction, you know somebody who uh, spends their whole day high. And even if it's high off of something like marijuana, right? You go up to them and you say... You know, I notice that you're kind of high all the time on marijuana. Uh, don't you think that's wrong? That's a mild approach compared to the, it's wrong. You know, it's a mild approach. They're most likely to say, I mean, it's the purest of pure. God created it. Everything upon the earth it's is an herb that God made. Exactly. And they go and, and defensive versus saying, something more to the effect of is there any is there anything in your life you feel like you do in excess yeah let them answer that question again to your point they will just defend and entrench themselves because i'm right when i don't have a position i just ask them what about your life isn't perfect (laughs) i mean essentially it's what you're asking nobody's gonna say everything there's every, everything in my life or nothing in my life is, is not perfect. No, that's not, nobody's going to say that, but they don't get defensive because you literally say, actually, you don't even have to tell me. I just want you to take a moment and think about it. Is there yeah. something you can do about it? Anyway, sorry. Just, no, that's key. It's just funny. That's key. Um, you know, part of one of the greatest things a mentor does is he helps people think again. Mm-hmm. Because when you're locked in, when you're locked into addiction, you, you've, you've learned an instinctive, repetitive, oftentimes brain chemical induced reaction that you don't think about. Right. When, when you are locked in self-limiting negative thoughts, there's not a thinking process. You, you have a paradigm for which you process and the process just churns itself out like like an assembly line of of negative thoughts that produces negative actions um you know if if you're homeless you you probably have some type of antisocial difficulty that makes it difficulty uh difficult for you to to live by rules of mm-hmm. some kind uh if you're trapped in religion um 
you know, man, man-made thoughts of, of, of how you get approval from God and, and what you have to do. Those, those become mechanized reactions and, and you become in bondage to them and there's no thought process. And so uh, what you're saying is absolutely right on, Jeremy, is that uh, what, what a mentor does is he asks questions designed to get someone to think themselves. And the idea that I have is always better than the idea that you told me because it's my idea. Um, you will only, you will only do something that you have ownership of. Right. And so if I tell you, you need to do such and such because you're an addict, because you're homeless, because you're religious and don't know God or blah, blah, blah. You don't have any ownership of that. I have ownership of that Mm -hmm. because I'm the pronouncer. And so it's not until I help you release yourself to think, maybe even to dream again, that that then you become owner of the idea that sparks your deliverance from your bondage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, so much of what we're talking about is rooted in this concept if we get the wrong idea that that it's our job to change the world or our job to change people. And yes, we want to be world changers, but I can't change the world. Right. We want to change people, but I can't change anybody. Uh, The truth is the only way people change is if, if God's working from his end and the person comes into agreement on their end, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I, to, to have power over another person is actually witchcraft. Yeah. And as Christians, we're not trying yeah. to practice witchcraft to change the world. Uh, we're, we're trying to, to operate under the anointing of the spirit, uh, the nature and character of God out of that relationship of love that, that we, we touch people, connect with people. Uh, we, we speak to them in a way that helps them discover freedom, helps them figure out their real identity, and then let them respond to the drawing of God into the change that he has for them. Hmm. And uh, stop practicing witchcraft or manipulation or control. Hmm. And uh, that's not what, a, a mentor does not do those things. Um, this is, this is good. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny cause I think what is, what is the idea of mentorship going to attract? Uh, same thing a life coaching will attract the same thing that, um, well, those things is what I'm thinking of. They're going to attract potentially narcissists, right? Mm-hmm. Cause they want to be able to be a puppet master. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think that, you know, this is the, the rubber meets the road and the ability to, to self-recognize and self-regulate. And I think this, you know, where people who are designed for mentorship in general, man, they've got to call that kind of crap out. You know what I'm saying? Because like, it's too easy to begin to gaslight people and get them to where you're truly just controlling their things, their, their directions for your own gain. And I, I, you know, I found myself, I, I typically try to put all the cards on the table to keep that from being even a possibility. And what I mean by that is anything that would maybe be um, like, okay, 
Uh, Denell Rush, great results coach, 3E coaching, um, 3E, 3E Life is her new brand, actually. Um, the thing I love about that is like we were talking, her and I, about something because she said, you know, I she's helped me a lot and stuff that I do. And I don't take, you know, I never want to take advantage of her. So I told her, I said, hey, the reason I don't call you, like you wouldn't normally say this, right? But I said, the reason I don't call you all the time is because I don't want you to think that I'm trying to get something for nothing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so even though we're friends, I've known her for a long time, there is a reciprocal relationship there. She gets things from me um, and I get things from her, but but like putting the cards out there saying, hey, I want you to know this is where I'm at on this and let her have the opportunity to say to me, hey, we trade off services for each other. So don't worry about that, you know? And, uh, but I think that's, you know, we've got to find a place to do that with people, especially those who are gifted and talented and just keep yourself from being in that. You know, I keep thinking to myself, I want a narcissist to hear this and a narcissist won't ever hear this. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I don't know if it's of any real value, but, um, if you're a narcissist and and you know what, clap your hands, you know what I'm saying? Don't stop listening to this podcast because we don't want to equip you to be really good at narcissism. (laughs) Well, (laughs) <laughs> I, I was just getting ready to bring Danella up myself mm. um, because uh, there's a lot of similarity between someone who's a mentor and someone who's a life coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I had been to Danelle uh, in some life coaching sessions. And in fact, Danelle is part of the reason we've rebranded this, this podcast. She mm. helped me with some of those things uh, as well as you and, and, uh, uh, she does, she does a life coach training now. She's done an, a number of classes and, um, has another one starting up. She got a zoom class now for folks who are out of state. So no matter where you're listening to this, you could connect with Danelle, uh, and, and go through a life. Uh, I went through the class. I'm, I'm technically a certified life coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, not for the intention of being a life coach. Uh, but, uh, this is probably an apt time to, to deal with this. Uh, the first night we were in the class, uh, I'm saying, I, I'm not sure I'm in the right place. Because we're talking about as, as a life coach, technically, you never give any advice. Right. You only ask questions. And it's a complete self guided self-discovery, mm-hmm. uh, you might say. And I said, uh, you know, the people I'm dealing with, I, I don't have time to just ask questions till the light comes on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people I'm dealing with aren't even in a state of mind where they can process those questions. Uh, you're, you're strung out in addiction and have been for a long time. Your, your, your brain doesn't think about anything except survival and your next fix. So you're, you, don't, you don't have freedom to think. Mm-hmm. Your, your mind doesn't ponder those concepts anymore. Uh, you, you have to heal enough to, to redevelop, redeploy that ability to ponder a thought. Value your different opinions and come to a conclusion. I said, uh, you know, really, I, I'm, I'm a fixer. I fix people. Hmm. 
I, I, don't, I don't have time for this. I won't tell you what she said. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> but when I got done, I figured out, you know what? Uh, the skills that I learned about asking questions, about listening to people's cues of their facial expressions and the tone of voice and the words that they choose and their hand actions um, would, would give me incredible information to know where we were in a conversation, to know if we had hit a nerve. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I would challenge anyone who wants to seriously mentor people to contact Danelle to take some life coaching. Now you gotta be careful. There's all kinds of life coaching on the internet oh, well. and all of it's not the real thing. A lot of that stuff is a scam. Danelle and what she is teaching is, is the real deal. Yeah. Um, but uh, I am far more effective today as a mentor than I was a year ago as a mentor because of the skill I developed in not just trying to tell someone what they need to do, always having their answer. Mm -hmm. Sometimes as a mentor, you know the answer. You've had enough conversation with them. You know enough about them that just the wisdom of God inside you will reveal the answer for them and you need to shut your mouth and not give them the answer. You need to help guide them to discovery of the answer, which normally in, in the group, people grouping we're talking about can't be done in a pure life coaching form, mm -hmm. but neither can it be done in a pure counseling form. And so mentorship is 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 a back and forth. It's a lot of it's a lot of feedback. It's a it's a lot of introducing new concepts, new ideas. Um, sometimes it's it's teaching. You know, you 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 do a drug because you have anxiety issues. Well, do we understand anxiety? Do we understand how anxiety works? Uh, anxiety is is dealing with the what if question. And, and what if is oftentimes based on fear. It, it's based on, on something that didn't happen to you in your childhood that you thought should have happened to you. And so you, you interpret every situation through that lens of anxiety that you developed uh, with an unmet need in your childhood. And so if you get healed of that, you get healed of some of that anxiety. Uh, if, if, you, if you overcome your fear, you, you, you calm your anxiety understanding that oftentimes a lot of the drugs and the things that we're involved with or a lot of the self-limiting thoughts, a lot of the uh, relationship inhibiting behaviors fuel our anxiety instead of heal our anxiety. And so as a mentor, you're, you're part teacher, you're part guidance counselor, you're, you're part listening ear, you're part life coach. Uh, sometimes sometimes you are the oracle of God that, you know, God says, um, sometimes you just feed back what people say. Mm -hmm. Now, what I, what I think I just heard you say is, is that what you really meant? And then, well, no, that's not what I meant to say. And, uh, which often it is what they meant to say, but they don't like what they just said. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> they, they, they want to, they want to figure out how to say something. Can I have different. a do over? <laughs> <laughs> so, 
this this has been been a great time uh sort of bouncing around on the different things that mentors are mm. uh and and maybe if you're out there listening to us today this broke your mold of what a mentor is uh maybe you figured out that uh that you really are more a mentor than you realized and maybe with some some skill development uh maybe with being made aware of some things that you weren't aware of before that that you become excellent in mm -hmm. what you're already doing um the the thing i, I want to get across before we close the day is that uh, people really are not changed except through relationship mm -hmm either good relationship or bad relationship. And uh, if, if we really have the love of God on the inside of us, uh, ultimately that's gonna result in good relationships and good relationships are ultimately gonna influence people uh, for the cause of Christ, for the kingdom of God, for the bringing of people into whatever it is that, that God designed and made them to be as his image. Mm. And uh, uh, love is expressed through relationship. Mm. Uh, love can be, can be expressed in just an open, uh, random occurrence. Uh, but, but for love to be a regular thing, uh, that, that happens by developing a relationship and, and love Love changes people, mm. and love would change our world if we could learn how to have some love. That's good. So, well, I think that will wrap us up for today. As we uh, as we close this episode, I want to uh, encourage you. Uh, maybe God is speaking you to be one of one thousand mentors and uh, help people with some radical life transformation, go to our website, uh, gum.faith, G-U-U-M.faith for Grace United Urban Ministries. Uh, there's links there to the book. There's links there to the podcast. Uh, some other tools and materials there for you. We'll look forward to seeing you again with more material on how to help people with radical life transformation. Bye-bye.